Welcome to The Rutledge Perspective. I am your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about the things that are top of mind as you navigate your career, whether corporate or otherwise. The plan is to get you out of your rut and talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Welcome to The Village. On this episode of The Rutledge Perspective, we're going to be talking about the stories we tell ourselves and the impact those stories have on how we perform or how we define success for ourselves. Now, I've been thinking about this post for many, many months. It actually came to me after I learned about the amazing Mr. Clarence Avant. And I'll talk a little bit more about him later. But after learning about him, I began to reflect seriously on my own journey my journey of traditional success, and then this leap I took off that hamster wheel into this entrepreneurship thing. And I also began to reflect on my own battles and challenges that were raging in my head and in my heart surrounding that leap off of what we believe is the traditional success plan into something completely new. And now After a post from a friend I saw this week um, about Mr. Avant and a few other things that have occurred over the last several weeks, it seemed like the right time for this episode of The Rutledge Perspective. And so what I'm going to be asking is, what is the story you're telling yourself about you? Now, in nearly 30 years of experience in organizations, over half of that in HR, I've had countless conversations with people around behaviors and consequences. Some of those conversations were in development situations. So how do you manage behavior to move to the next level? And some of those conversations were in behavior modification or separation circumstances. The behavior was just such that it could no longer be tolerated in the organization. But in every single case, what was evident to me was that there was always something that the behavior was tethered to. The behavior didn't sit in a vacuum in and of itself. There was some belief system or some unspoken desire that drove the behavior. Now in the situation we're in, some of that is this level of comfort or discomfort in this situation or uncertainty around what is going on, what is going to be our new normal. And so the general idea that the conversations were about behavior that was not appropriate for the situation or the culture that was in was true, but understanding that it was deeper was tantamount to the discussions being successful. Now, when you see a disconnect between behavior that is expected or desired versus the behavior that you're actually observing, it is important for the leaders to focus on the behavior and not the person. We're not passing on judgment on how good or bad the person is. That's not the point. And it's neither your position nor your expertise unless you are really trained in behavioral psychology or therapy or, or human behavior. But it's also important that in addressing behavior, you do have to remember that there is a person behind it, a person with experiences, a person with perspectives, a person with values and belief systems. And so while we're not passing judgment on those things, it's important in the context of performance management or any other behavior discussion, it is important to understand that those things exist and what impact those things have on the behavior you're observing and may have on future behavior. That's the coaching part of leadership, the recognition of and the connection to the person behind the actions. And it is a fine balance to walk, especially in corporate America, and especially if you own a business. 
because with all the rules and the regulations and the risk of litigation, it's hard to find that balance between understanding what's driving the person and then addressing just the behavior as the behavior itself. But great leaders find a balance and they find a way to do that for the sake of their people. Now, in recognition of those deeper experiences that shape our behaviors, that is what led me to question the impact of the stories we tell ourselves. So several months ago, I watched a Netflix documentary on Clarence Avant, and it's called The Black Godfather. It was incredibly well done. But the story is what struck me. I was completely convicted, completely convicted. I don't know when I felt this way about a documentary in a very, very long time. And why was I convicted? Because this idea of our experiences shaping our behaviors was brought front and center to me, that whole nature versus nurture conversation. Now, Clarence Avant, if you don't know who he is, is in the entertainment business. He knows everyone. He has connections that are deep, that are broad, and he uses those connections for the purpose of ensuring that those he's assisting are recognized and well compensated for their artistry. His history and his story start in the early 30s as he leaves his home to go to New York. Now, my perception of his experience was that it was grim, yet it was a standard story of African Americans at that time in our nation's history. And yet what struck me about his story was his complete conviction that he could do the job he was hired to do despite having no experience. I believe he said he went through like the ninth grade, but he believed he could do it. He knew he was willing to work for it. So therefore it was going to happen. And my mind was completely blown. Now, some of you are probably thinking at this point, I don't get it. What's so special about that? But here's what was mind blowing for me about this man's story. For people of color, the rhetoric for decades was you got to be smarter. You got to work harder. You got to run faster. You got to be better. All of these superlatives, but you also got to recognize that even if you do all those things, there is a possibility you still won't get what you worked for or what you deserve because that's just inherent in the system. And I'm not talking about the deeper conspiracy theories about the man and oppression. That's not where I am. But the proven systematic lack of equity for people of color and their experience on a daily basis. We were indoctrinated with this rhetoric and rightfully so because the rhetoric served to bolster our resolve. It helped us spur ourselves to excellence, but it also set expectations that it didn't really matter what you did because there were other forces at work. So that we weren't so disappointed when things didn't work out the way we wanted them to. And maybe we wouldn't get in and down in the dumps because it didn't work out, that we would keep working hard and keep striving because that's what we had to do. But what Mr. Avant's perspective brought forth for me was both the power and the detrimental effect of this rhetoric. As his story unfolded in the documentary, I didn't hear of any of this rhetoric being a part of his upbringing. The constant reminder of lowering expectations around outcomes so, so you're not disappointed and not frustrated. Now, perhaps it was there in the background, or perhaps because of the time in which he was forming his view of the world, the disparities were so publicly visible and so normal to course that no words or warnings were needed. But in any case, it was his statement, I don't let nothing get in my way about anything that I want to do. That's just the way I think. That statement caught my attention. In that one statement, 
it became clear that failure wasn't an option because he was doing what he was supposed to do in a way that was the best way he knew how. And therefore, success was inevitable. Now, lest one think there was no support around him, there was. And this was important because his road to success wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. There were some significant stumbles for him in his journey. But he had people around him who believed in him. And he is very specific about that fact. As he often says in the film, I don't have problems, I have friends. And he made it a point to learn from everyone he could. He was confident enough to believe in his own capability, but he was smart enough and humble enough to learn from those who had something to teach him. And this balance of confidence and humility is often missing in today's leaders. Just because you're running something doesn't mean you don't have anything else to learn. I'm just saying. So this wasn't a one man show and Mr. Avant doesn't claim it to be. Now, here's the other part of his story that was eye opening for me. In absolutely everything that he did, he was focused on ensuring that the artists got what they deserved. In other words, it wasn't about him. It was about the people he was serving. And a clear example of servant leadership in this industry was Mr. Avant, because by all accounts, he worked hard to cover its seedy underbelly with a shiny clear coat. And not he did it, but the industry did it, really worked to cover that. But his complete obsession with ensuring equity became a cornerstone of his reputation. And at one point in the documentary, there's a story about a really high level media company executive meeting to hash out in a, a disagreement between who was able to work for who and who had a contract with who. And it was just a hot mess. And Mr. Avan attended this meeting and one of the attendees said, I know whose side everyone is on, but who is he and who is he representing? And the person who the attendee was talking to responded, that's Clarence Avon and he represents everyone. And a deal was made that day. So, Mr. Clarence Avant focused on the job he was hired to do. But more importantly, he focused on the outcomes of that job, on the best way to ensure he took care of his people and to ensure that they ultimately knew how to take care of themselves. His mindset, I mean, especially early in his career, was simultaneously shocking and uplifting. As he said, if you don't ask, you don't get. And he asked. And not only did he ask, but he taught others how to do the same. The artists he worked for and the artists he worked with said that if they were ever in trouble or were trying to make a decision, they picked up the phone and called Mr. Avant. Once you knew who Clarence Avant was, your perspective was changed. And each one he touched, touched someone else. And there's an old saying about that, each one teach one. And Mr. Avant's legacy will be that those he taught felt compelled to teach others. They didn't just hold the information because Mr. Avant didn't hold it. And they felt compelled to spread the wealth the way he spread it to them. So here's my question to you. What's the story you tell yourself about you? Do you believe the rhetoric that you have to work harder and be better, but there won't be any measurable difference in outcome? Or do you believe so strongly in yourself that you work harder to be better because it's just what you do and just who you are? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are where you're supposed to be and you have everything you need to make happen what you need and want to happen? And do you have a village that both pushes you and supports you? In other words, 
Do you have problems or do you have friends? You know, Mr. Avant never asked for permission to do the work he needed to be done. He knew needed to be done. He learned the business. He knew the numbers. As he says, life is about numbers. And he made the deals that set the trajectory for many. He understood that power doesn't have to be flashy and upfront, that power is often behind the scenes. And more importantly, that knowing your worth and being willing to fight for that worth makes all the difference in the world. So I challenge you today to examine the stories you're telling yourself. Challenge the rhetoric that keeps you hustling with no true belief in a positive outcome. Because if you don't believe in you, why should anyone else? As Lisa Nichols says, if I'm going to bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on me. So now, as I begin to wrap this up, I really do want you to think about those stories and try today, not try. There is no try. There's either do or do not. Today, challenge the story that you're telling yourself. When you hear that rhetoric that says, not enough, keep working, keep pushing. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work, but you keep moving. Challenge that story, stop it in its tracks and pull forth the story that says, no, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I have friends. I have a perspective. I have competencies and I have confidence in me. I'm going to bet on me. And in the spirit of Mr. Avant's words, as I get ready to close out this, his words of, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you're listening, Mr. Avant, I'm asking to meet you. I don't need much time. I just want the opportunity to sit at your feet and learn from the master of possibility. You name the time and the place or even the video platform, given what we're doing today, and I will be there, pen and paper in hand, ears open, heart open to take whatever wisdom you're willing to share. I am your humble servant. And that's the Rutledge perspective for today. I really appreciate your listening. Catch you next time. You have been listening to the Rutledge perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please give us a five-star rating. You can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe to the show where you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. Oh, and if there's someone you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge perspective, please pass it along. Thank you for tuning in. 